What's up, 1115? How are you guys doing this morning? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, we're so glad that you're here as we're concluding this series, Family Flings and Relationship Things. And before we kind of dive in today, next week we're starting a brand new series called Sweet Dreams. It's you're my more... sweet dream. Oh, thank you. Brownie points. So cheesy right there. That's all I got to say. Uh, it's going to be a great series. We're talking about what are, what are some of the things that keep you up at night? What are some of the fears that are holding you back? What are some of the insecurities that are keeping you from becoming all that God's calling you to be? It's going to be a great series. I want to encourage you to come back next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Today is going to be even more fun than that because that has not happened yet. So uh, up until when that happens next week, it'll be more fun than this week. But this week is going to be a blast. We're doing Q&A today. Over the last uh, five weeks, we've asked you guys to text in the questions that you have concerning relationships. And we said, you want to take a whole weekend. We'll just answer all those questions. We'll help you in some of the areas that maybe there's some tension in your relationships or maybe you just have some questions like, what do I do in this situation and this circumstances? And so if you're here for the very first time or maybe this is your second or third time, this is not a normal service for us. Uh, this is a little bit different. And so uh, I have my beautiful wife up here named Shayla. And so uh, I, I'm... She doesn't get over to this campus very much, so you guys see that I actually do have a wife. I'm just, she's not a figment of my imagination who looks really good. She really does. And so uh, we're excited to, to just talk to you guys today and just share and, and hopefully be able to help you in some of the situations you're going through. And so we had a ton of questions, and I just want to give an FYI because there were so many questions we kind of just categorized them and said, hey, we're going to ask out of these categories of the most uh, popular questions that were out there. And so if yours isn't asked exactly, know that we got it. We just, we just put it in a category and we wanted to try to answer as many as we could over the weekend. So it'll be a lot of fun and it'll be a great opportunity for us to all learn together. So we're going to dive right in to Q&A. And so first question, what if you are married to someone who doesn't share your love of God? Great question. Shayla, I think that's a great question for you to answer. Starting off with a bang here. So I think, what if you're married to someone who doesn't share your love of God? So here's the thing I love about God's word is it has answers in it to the questions that we're asking. Yeah. Because in it, it tells us that if we're married to somebody who doesn't believe the same way that we do, that we can win them over by our love. And so what that means is that by our love for them, by how we serve them, by how we care about them, by how we build them up, by how we love others in our different relationships, how we love God, it says that we can win them over by our love. And I think sometimes it just goes back to like how we serve one another, how we give of ourselves, how we, how we do those things makes an impact in the lives around us. And if we're constantly self-seeking and what about me and naggy and all of these different things, it's not making the person go, oh, I want to run after that with you. You know, so it's like when we serve one another, when we love one another, it leads other people to that place as well. I don't know if you want to add to that. No, I'm pretty good with that. Okay. Next question. I'm pretty much awesome. That's why. How did, how did you really know she was the one? And don't say, I just knew. I'm single and I don't know. <laughs> How you must did, have had a lot of people say, oh, you just know. Yeah. How did you really know? So apparently this is a guy. And, uh, and so um, how did you know? Well, I'll, I'll tell you how, how I knew. I just knew. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that 
That's a terrible answer. First of all, let me say this. You know, this idea of the one, like there is one person out there that is perfect for you, that idea drives me nuts. Um, because here is the concept behind that. There is one person, and they are the only, per- they are the perfect person for you. So what happens is, is we get married to somebody, and we think, oh, man, they're the one, and then we have some tension or we have some problems in the relationship, and all of a sudden, because we have tension or problems, we go, they must not be the one. That person over there, if I was just married to them, they're my one. And so we disregard the one that we have for the one that we don't have, and it just automatically messes us up. And so I don't think that there is like the perfect one. The perfect one is the one that you choose. Yeah. The one that you choose is the one. That's right. And so if... (laughs) We, we make it really simple here. One equals one, okay? Uh, they're the one that you choose. And, and I think that there are some ways that, you can de- that will help you decipher if they're the right one for you. I think part of those things are is as you're pursuing God, I think it starts first and foremost with a pursuit yes. of God. You're developing the character, the nature, all the things that you need to have a healthy relationship. And while you're doing that, you're seeing attributes that you believe would be really good in a relationship. Well, I would write those things down. I would write down some of the characteristics that I'm looking for in a godly person because this is what the Bible says. The Bible says it will give us the desires of our hearts. And I think that if we go to God and we say, hey, these are some desires, and we don't settle for less than those desires, you know what we're eventually going to find? The one. We're going to eventually find the one that meets what we're looking for. And so if we'll be patient, and I know that that's a tough thing in our society when we're in a fast food society, we just want to put them out like this and like that. We're going to find that one. But if we'll set ourselves apart and we'll put up some boundaries, and just like we said last week, that we'll go ahead and decide ahead of time what that story is going to look like, and we'll start writing that story for ourselves, then when that person comes in, we'll know that they fit in our story. And it's not that you're not going to have some doubts about that person, because yeah. let's just be honest. Um, I love Shayla with all of my heart, but I still had doubts. I know it's hard to believe, but like we're two imperfect people. And anytime you have two imperfect people, or you have people that aren't the same, that have some, some issues, because we all got issues, right? Like, I got a lot of issues. <laughs> it's obvious if you spend any amount of time here, you're like, that dude does have issues. I got hope. Hope, because Jesus can use him. He can use me. That's right. Okay. Um, yeah, don't hold up your yes card. That's messed <laughs> up. Okay. Uh, but the reality is, is because we have that, there's, there's always going to cause some conflict. Yeah. The la- just because there's conflict doesn't mean they're not the right person. It's can you work through that conflict? Mm-hmm. So do you have anything to add on that? Or is that, that was good? Like I'm up to your level now? Okay, cool. Question number three. Not quite, but. In-laws are hard. Yep. Uh, What does the ideal biblical relationship with your in-laws look like? Mm. That's a good question. Yeah, in-laws are difficult. And, uh, you know, we've been married for 15 years. I would say that that Shayla's family is very difficult. Um, (laughs) First time I ever heard that. We're not putting this on the podcast. (laughs) So, uh, because I didn't say that in one of the services, so we're not going to use that. But, uh, like, Shayla's family is difficult. They have a lot of traditions and this is what I found out when I was marrying into Shayla's family, because I was marrying into her family to some degree. They have a lot of traditions. They have a tradition for everything. If it's Tuesday, there's some sort of tradition. Family dinner night. Yeah, family dinner night is Tuesday night. So there's a tradition on every night, every holiday, everything. And when we got married, I said, you know what? We're 
You're no longer part of her, that family. Technically, we're a family. We're starting a family here where a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. We're starting our own family union. And so we're going we're gonna to sit down and we talked and we created some boundaries for our families. And we said, here are some things that we're going to continue in your traditions. And then in some other areas, we're going to write our own traditions. We're going to start our own traditions yeah. because we are our own family. And then we communicated that with them. They didn't necessarily like all of that. Yeah, but I think in that communication process, yeah. though, it was important for us to... One, so one of the things that we did is we decided what was going to work for our relationship, what boundaries we needed to set in that, in that area. And then we went to our families and we said, hey, we know how much you guys value this time with us. We know how important it is to you. And we want to help us all win here. Yeah. And so here's what we've decided as TJ and I have started our relationship, we're going to start some new traditions, but you're still part of that. So once a month, we're going to do this once, you know, and we shared with them what we had agreed upon so that they knew and that they understood where we were coming from. And sometimes I think it's more about communication and understanding boundaries than it is the tension in those relationships. Nice. Four, how long should you be in a relationship before you discuss marriage? Mm. That's a great question. I think it's different for everyone. Um, probably not on the first date. Yeah. You do it on the first date, you're desperate, okay? <laughs> desperate. Like that, they're just going to drop you like it's hot, okay? <laughs> but I think for, for everyone it's different on, on when you start discussing that because we all have this different pace of relationships. We always... All of us have just a different way of going about things. And I think for us, it was more about, like, getting to know each other and becoming best friends and doing life with one another. And when we started to realize, you know what, I don't want to do life without this other person. Like, this is the person that I want to spend the rest of my life with, that I want to have my conversations with, that I want to share the good things and the bad things of my life with. And... Here's the deal. I think when it does come to that discussion, I think it should be led by the guy. Because if, if girls are always pursuing, or women are always pursuing those conversations, you will be pursuing those conversations for the rest of your life. Yeah. You have to allow that guy to lead in those spaces. You have to allow him to facilitate those conversations on whatever you know, kind of they're comfortable with. Now, if they're waiting around five, six years to have that conversation, Maybe it's time to have the conversation of where is this relationship going? Are we going somewhere? Or do I need to, like, dip out of this relationship? Yeah. So That's pretty good. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Number five, you're in a happy relationship with both hearts set on God, but you've committed sexual sin. How do you recover together? Do you want me to answer that or do you want to answer? You, you answer that. You okay. have, you, you're good at this one. <laughs> oh, I don't know that that came out right. <laughs> well, <laughs> so you're both in a happy relationship with both hearts set on God, but you've committed sexual sin. How do you recover together? First of all, I think you're in a really great space because you're realizing, like, we want to walk this journey together. 
We want to walk in health and wholeness in our relationship, and we want to do that together. And here's what's happened is when we experience sexual sin, when we make mistakes outside of marriage and all of those different types of things, we serve a God that is a God of restoration. We serve a God that says he can take the old and he can make it the new. And God's word tells us that when we repent and we ask for forgiveness, then he throws that sin as far as the east is from the west and he doesn't remember it anymore. And see, what happens is, the key word, though, is repent. And what repent means is to turn away from. And so when we repent from something, it doesn't mean that we ask for forgiveness and then we continue to keep doing the same thing and asking for forgiveness again and again and again. It means we're going to set boundaries in our relationship. We're going to set ourselves up to win. And the really cool thing is that even though we've made mistakes, there's a fresh start. There's a new beginning. We can walk into that relationship healed and whole, and we can move forward because God is for us. He wants health in our relationship. He wants restoration in our relationship. So if you've messed up, if you've made this sin, if you've made this mistake, then listen, there is hope to move forward. But I think there's a key to this, and that's that you set boundaries in your relationship. Because there's a reason that you got to that place before, and it's because you didn't have healthy boundaries that were protecting you from getting to that place. And so we need people around us to kind of hold us accountable, but we also need to have conversations in our relationship that keep us from getting to that point. And so if you want to move forward together in a healthy way, talk about some boundaries and get some people in your life that you're accountable to. And those boundaries are a big deal. And, and the thing that I love about this question is, is that you're saying, hey, like I've realized that there are those things that are happening, but I want to live pure from here yeah. out. And this is what I know about that kind of lifestyle is when you decide, man, I'm going to live purely when it comes to my sexuality and when it comes to sex and intimacy in a relationship is purity always paves the way to intimacy. And you think that you're experiencing intimacy with just sex right now, but when you do it God's way, it takes it to a whole nother level. Yes. And, and I believe that as you're pursuing that, you're going to experience intimacy in that relationship, not necessarily on the sexual front, but in the relational aspect like you've never experienced before. And so, man, keep pursuing that. Get those boundaries, like Shayla said, and you'll see God do some amazing things inside of your relationship. Next question. What's the right way to get over a breakup? What is the right way? I think one of the best ways that you can get over a breakup is, is you can get involved in relationship. Because this is what I know, is when we're going through a breakup, and, and I, I, I've experienced a couple of these, not too many, but I've experienced enough to remember the hurt and the pain that you experienced in that moment. And what you want to do naturally in those moments is you want to isolate yourself. Because what do you do? You go into that woe is me mode. You go sit in your bedroom and you cry and you snot all over yourself. Think about all the things that are wrong with you. Yeah, or maybe that was just me. Maybe other people don't do that. But that's what I did. And, uh, you know, you put on every sappy Taylor Swift song and listen to it over and over again. Uh, You know, and, and that's what you do in those moments. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to do. His goal is to isolate you to get you away from people so he can continue to discourage you and get you so caught up in that moment that you can't get out of it. And what we need to do in those moments is we need to surround ourselves with people that can encourage us, that can build us up, that can help lift us out of the pit of despair that we're in into the hope that we have in Christ. And I think one of the greatest ways we can do that is in relationship. It's why we value doing life together as a church. 
Find a connect group. Find some relationships here that are pursuing Jesus and get involved in those relationships and see yourself start to get pulled out of that moment. Good. You have anything? No? No, that's, that's good. Awesome. Okay. Okay. Everybody got their X and O cards? Everybody got bulletins X and O? Participation time. We need you to help us right now. Everybody throw your X and O cards in there. Wave them like you just don't care. Say, oh. oh. Say, yeah. yeah. All right. That's cool. I just want to see if you all would do that. And so, uh, <laughs> sweet. Okay. Uh, so we're going to ask some questions and we just, we need your, we need your help with these. Uh, and so I think that this is a great time for us to respond. First question, is it healthy to spend all of my time with my boyfriend? What do y'all think? No, no. Only the girls that are in a relationship right now that want a boyfriend are like, yes, I just want to spend all my time with somebody. No, it's probably not very healthy. Next question, is it ever appropriate for a guy to start sexting a girl while dating? Listen, no, it is never right for a guy to sext a girl at at any point in that relationship. Like, it just, come on now. Some youth group discussions. Why why do we have high schoolers asking us that? High schoolers. Let me just, like, right here, right here. No. No. Not. All of my friends are doing online dating. I want to be pursued the old-fashioned kind of way, not some creepy internet way. That makes sense. Should I hold out for that, or am I setting myself up to become a cat lady by not searching for a guy who fits my requirements? I seriously think TJ added on the part about the cat lady. So, <laughs> online dating, yes, no? Should online dating, what do you guys think? Yes, no, yes, no. Man, we got a lot of, we got a lot of in-betweens here. Uh, here's the deal, like... Um, I don't think that there's anything necessarily wrong with online dating. I, it's, I do think it's kind of, like, I like the way this woman put it. It's kind of creepy, weird, because yeah. you're like. You just don't know. Yeah, you're like going through the box of cereal idols, and you're like, I like Lucky Charms. I don't like Cheerio. You know, I don't, it's just kind of weird. Uh, but I know some people that have some great relationships that have met through online dating um, and so I don't know that but it's I necessarily think there's, wrong. I think there's a balance in this. Yeah. Okay? Because I think that if you're pursuing a relationship more than you're pursuing a relationship with God, there's a problem. Okay? So if we're pursuing, we're just saying, oh, man, I need this relationship. I need to be in a relationship with someone. And we are looking to that in, in any relationship, whether it's online dating, whether it's just in our own general life, if we are in pursuit of that relationship more than we're in, we're in pursuit of our relationship with God, that's a scary place to be because you're setting yourself up to fail. And see, I think that, like, I don't think that online dating is necessarily bad, no. but what I do think is there's a lot of things that you can find out about a person when you're just hanging out with them as a friend. When you're hanging out with somebody as a friend and you're observing them if in friend relationships, you learn a lot about their character. You learn about a lot about how they treat other people. Yeah. You learn a lot just about who they are in general because there's no like, ooh, I want to put on my mask because th- th- I'm trying to date this person. And so I would say that you just have to be cautious in trying to, you need to get to know that person before you put a label on it. Because you'll, you'll learn a lot about them in that friendship relationship as opposed to just jumping into a relationship together. Yeah.
good. Next question. I'm in love with a godly man who doesn't seem to see me as more than a friend. I'm hung up on him and find it hard to give others a chance. Should I tell him or what should I do? What should he do? What should they do? Tell what do you, him. I, I think they should tell him. What, y'all aren't going to answer? Come on now. Come on now. Yeah, tell him. I think you just turn to him right now. Just turn and say, that's me. Let us, let us know how it goes. Email us. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, here, here's my advice for, for especially single girls, because single girls are always like, man, I've got this crush, and I want, how do I let them know? Like, they don't know that I even exist. Here, here's what I, I'll say all the time. Because of the pursuit aspect, I would tell you, you can tell a guy one time, hey, listen, if you were to ask me out, I would say yes. You can say that one time. Then it's on that dude. Like, if he doesn't pursue you, you don't want that joker anyways. That's right. Yep. And so, like, you've given him the opportunity. He now knows it's on him. Don't, don't make it on you. Because like Shayla said earlier, like, if, if you go and you have to pursue him, you'll be pursuing him for the rest of your life. And that will be miserable. Is it ever okay for a married person to have a deep friendship with a person of the opposite sex outside of their marriage where they say things like, I love you and I need you to them? No. No. Like, I'm, like this is a little extreme. Like, I think it, you can have deep relationships with people, but that's, that's going a little bit too far and uh, crossing some boundary lines in that place. Okay, another one. If you know a cute guy you are interested in frequents a certain place, is it considered stalking if you <laughs> pop into said place hoping that he is there? I think it's stalking. Like, that's just weird. But there's a lot of, all the single girls are like, I think it's okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. 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 I, I'm confusing myself. Oh, next question. Okay, we're going we're gonna to skip, skip that, apparently. Not this question. No, oh, we're whoa, going whoa, to, no, no, back. no, whoa. Fornication. Fornication. Is it really a sin? I know there are risks in what having sex outside of marriage can lead to, and I know it's not a good idea, but is it truly this deadly sin it is made out to be? TJ, you can take that one. Yeah, um. Fornication, is it really a, a, a deadly sin? Yeah, we talked about this last week. We talked about, And just so you know, if you don't know what the word fornication means, uh, I looked it up just to make sure I actually did know what it meant. Uh, <laughs> it's a good thing to do if you're going to use the word to know, actually know what it means. It means having sex outside of a marriage relationship. And so if you're having sex outside of marriage, whether you've never been married or you're married and you're having sex with somebody that is not your spouse, it's called fornicating. And so, yes, it's a big deal. In fact, there's so many verses that talk about uh, the fact that, that fornicators won't inherit the kingdom of God. Like, it's very deadly, not from a physical standpoint, while it does have physical implications. Yeah. We talked about it last week from a spiritual standpoint, yeah. that your sex and sexuality is connected to your soul. And every time you're uniting with somebody, it is... Uh, Drain, like it's having an internal impact on you. Like your soul is diminishing and there's this lack of connection that you used to have that you once had in the very beginning. And so it can be very, very detrimental to your soul. And I think even, you know, biblically it is not right, but even if you, even if you go Google the statistics 
on like sex before marriage or outside of marriage or living with someone or any of those types of things, the statistics will show you that most of you you enter into that relationship almost doomed. I think it's I think the statistic is like fifty to sixty percent of relationships that start that way um, never succeed in their marriage. Yeah, and most statistics are made up, so you can just oh. say whatever number you want. A hundred percent of the time. <laughs> That you have sex outside of marriage, it's I'm just, doomed. I'm just kidding. I don't know. Uh, next question. Is bondage, domination, submission, and masochism okay in a relationship? No. I, I don't think it is. And, and here's why. Uh, and let me just say this. this. This was like one of those questions um, that, that like really it just kind of, I hurt inside because I know that the reality of why the person is asking this question is because sex has become perverted to them. And intimacy has become perverted partly because of huge pornography in our society today uh, or because there was some sort of uh, molestation or something that happened to them when they were younger. Almost every person that ends up in some sort of uh, acts like this comes from one of those two areas. And when I look at this, I realize that Hebrews 13.4 says that marriage bed is to stay undefiled. And the person that's asking this question has been defiled in some way, whether somebody did that to them and they think that that's normal now, or they've spent so much time on the internet watching pornography that they've made fantasy try to become the reality now. And they're bringing that undefilement into their relationship And when I think about bondage and domination and masochism, and if you don't know what those words are, don't go Google them, okay? Like, (laughs) it it will not be good for you. Um, But what's happening is is you're taking something outside and bringing it into your relationship that none of those things sound very loving to me. They don't sound very giving. They don't sound like they're really creating security in a relationship right there. And so if, if you're in a relationship and you're dealing with this, I would encourage you right now, uh, not right this second, but I would encourage you to, to talk to a counselor yeah. uh, to get some help because there are some addictions and there are some things that have happened in the past that are dictating those things coming out now. And instead of continuing down that path, get some help. Get some help. And if you need to find that place, you can call us. We'd love to help you out. That's, we say this all the time at our church, that, that everyone's welcome here because nobody's perfect. And we believe that anything's possible. And I believe that you, you, none of us have perfect relationships no. and that, man, God can do anything in your relationship. He That's can right. restore and he can heal and he can do something amazing. So, Yeah. (laughs) All right. All right. Next set of questions. We're done with kind of the yes and no's. I have issues with trust. I struggle with jealousy, insecurity, and fear, which are paralyzing and destructive in a romantic relationship. How do I get healing through my relationship with God to overcome these character defects? My desire is to have a healthy, loving, and trusting partnership. Trey, you want to answer that? Yeah. I think, first of all, you're in a really great place because you're recognizing that there's some things that are destructive to your life. And you're saying, okay, I recognize that these things are in my life. How do I deal with them? 
And I think that it's probably not something that we can just easily cover sitting up here in a conversation. But what I would tell you is to keep moving forward in your pursuit of God and keep those things surrendered to him. You know, before I was in a relationship with TJ, I was in a really toxic relationship. In a relationship that caused a lot of insecurity and jealousy and a lot of those different things. And I had to learn that journey of freedom and how do I get whole so that I can enter into a relationship and have a healthy relationship. And so for me, it was a daily decision to, to choose differently, to recognize when I was having those thoughts and saying, God, that's not who you say I am. Yeah. That's not, confusion is not of you. Like all of these different things. So it was a daily decision to change my thinking and to look at things differently. And so if I could say anything, I would say, like, you are on the right path. And your continual pursuit of God will lead you to that place where you can be in a trusting and healthy relationship because I am proof of that. And it's not easy, but it is worth continuing to go through and laying it down. And I would encourage you, talk to people. Talk to people and help them, have them help you lead you on that journey as well. Yeah, that's good. Next question. So God created sex. Why? Was it just about procreation? This is, this is a common question that, that I've heard a lot mm-hmm. about people like, what, what's sex all about? And yes, there is an aspect of it that sex is about procreation. It says, you know, God said in the very beginning, be fruitful and multiply. Yep. There's, there's a part of sex that is very much like, hey, how do we populate the earth or, or, and whatnot? But I think that there's another part of sex. And when I read in my Bible in places like Song of Solomon, um, I read things like this, Song of Solomon chapter 7. How fair and how pleasant you are, O love, with your delights. This stature of yours is like a palm tree, and your breasts like its clusters. And I said, I will go up the palm tree, and I will take hold of its branches. Let now your breasts be like clusters of the vine, and the fragrance of your breath like apples, the best, uh, and the roof of your mouth like the best wine. Now, I read that, and I don't hear like procreation. I hear, let's go have some fun having sex. It's like, let's go climb the palm trees and get some coconuts, baby. You know, like that. That sounds like a good time. And so I think there's both aspects of it. And I'm, I'm very grateful for Song of Solomon. He, he kept it real. Kept it real. So Moving on. Moving on. Okay. If you're married and it wasn't done with the Lord's presence in it in both lives, can the marriage be saved? Is it too late to have the presence of the Lord and make it a good marriage in God's plan? I think absolutely the marriage can be saved. You know, yeah. again, it goes back to the fact that we do serve a God that is a God of restoration, that wants the best for our life. And the Bible says that he causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And the reality is, is that every single one of us here were created and designed with a purpose by God. It doesn't matter where you're at in your belief, that is, that's who you are. God gave you a purpose. And so I think even if you got married outside of knowing God or any of those things, when you move forward in that relationship, when you come into a relationship with God, he can restore anything that has happened in the past, and he can cause all of it to work together for good. 
So I feel like you can have a healthy, you can have a successful relationship, you can have a relationship where you're both growing together, which is super exciting to get to understand and to walk this journey together and to grow together and experience new things together is incredible. And it will be hard and it's difficult just like any marriage is hard, whether it was started the right way or, or outside of God's plan, whatever, not God's plan, but outside of knowing, him. knowing God. I think there is some incredible fruit that can come from that. But the reality is, is that, and I may have already said this, is that marriage is this unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. And no matter what we do, when we're committed unconditionally to that person, God can do incredible things yeah. through that relationship, no matter where it started or how it started. And I believe that two people that are committed to Christ can overcome anything. Yep. And yep. If, if you're committed to one another and you're committed to Christ, there's no circumstance, there's no situation, there's nothing that you can't overcome. And, and this is what, and, and John says, you will have trouble, Jesus is saying this, yep. but take courage, I've overcome the world. Like, listen, there's always going to be some difficulties in those transitions, but take courage because Jesus overcame, which tells us we can overcome too. That's right. Next question. It seems like my husband and I share very few hobbies together. This has been a pain point for our marriage because we do things we like to do separately. The obvious answer would be to do things together we enjoy, but we have trouble with finding that as well. Any advice? Why don't you do this one? Okay. Uh, the obvious answer would be you do things anyways that you don't really like. I mean, that's, that's the obvious answer, but it goes back to, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, the five love languages and the the idea of mutual submission, the idea of that it's not all about my wants, my needs, and my desires. Being in a healthy relationship is going to require you to look and see the other person's wants, needs, and desires and say, you know what, even though that's not what I want, I'm going to meet their needs. And so you might have some differences, but one of the easiest things to do is go, you know what, once a month, I want you to choose anything you want to do, and we're going to go do that together, even if I don't like it. So we can go paddle boarding? No. Um, and I'm just, <laughs> Shayla keeps harassing me about paddle boarding uh, all the time, and, and she's like, yeah, I, I see no cards going up. Thank you. Thank you for telling me no. Stop um, it. Uh, you know, and, and so, you know, eventually I'm going to give in to that thing when she gives in and comes and does some CrossFit with me. And so, uh, mutual submission here. I'm just kidding. But we're, we're constantly we're going, right now, you guys. We're we're constantly going and saying, like, how do I meet their needs? And so I do things that Shayla likes yeah. to do that aren't necessarily my favorite things. And she does things that I like to do, yeah. even though they're not her favorite things. So we constantly are, is this give and take in a relationship. And part of a healthy relationship is, is you don't always win. But this is what I know is usually when I win for her, I end up winning. Yep. So, like, when I meet her needs. Song of Solomon style. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> brown chicken, brown cow. And if you don't know what brown chicken, brown cow is, just say it really fast. You'll, brown chicken, brown cow, brown chicken, brown, brown. Okay. okay, never mind. So, my crush and my best friend like each other, but my crush liked me first, and my friend knew I liked him. What do I do? Mm. I think this is, honestly, I think it's a values question. Yeah, it really is. It's what do you value more? Do you value your friendship more 
Or do you value wanting to be in a relationship with you're not really sure even if that person wants to be in a relationship with you? So which one do you value more? Yeah. Simple. Okay. Yeah. 20. What is your opinion if a guy and a girl are dating and out of 14 dates, the guy only pays for about two of them and all the other times the girl pays for them? The guy says, (laughs) hold up, okay. The guy says he really cares about the girl and will pay when she gets a job. When he gets a job. When he gets a job. But jumps from job to job every three to four months so he never has enough money to pay. What should they do? Okay. Okay. Drop him like it's hot. Overwhelming. Dump that joker. Kip, man, we got some <laughs> some violence here on the front row. Some bitter girls. Apparently, they're the ones that wrote this question in. I don't. <laughs> no, I, I, you know this is this is a this is common today. You know, and and I look at this and I go, here's the deal, ladies. Um, what happens for a lot of ladies is they're like, he just looks so good. And it's all about the looks. But here are the questions you need to be asking. Does he love God? Mm-hmm. And does he display that in every aspect of his life? Does he have a job? And keeps it. And keep it. And does he have a purpose? If you don't know the answer to those three questions, he shouldn't even be on your radar. That's right. It's true. Otherwise, you're just settling for some dude you're going to be dragging along for the rest of your life. Man, you are worth more than that. Yes. Yep. And I think the flip side of that, too, is a lot of times in relationships, especially us as girls, we can expect something of the guy that we're in a relationship with without ever communicating that from him. And then we get frustrated, like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe he never does this. When he doesn't even know that we want him to do that. And so I think there's a flip side of it to where, like, there's got to be some communication in the relationship that says, look, I mean, we shouldn't have to say I need you to pay for me. You know, that's just common courtesy. But For real. If you, if you don't have enough money to pay for the date, dudes, you don't, don't need go. to be dating. Be creative and make yeah. sandwiches and have a picnic. Yeah, I do, mean, do something else. Don't show up at the on. movie theater and be like, oh, I forgot my wallet again. Like, that's messed up. Yeah. But I think there's, there's communication that needs to take place, through, too. Yeah. Like, you had talked about expectations a while back, and we can't just have these expectations yeah. without communicating them either. So, yeah. Okay. 21. Once you are in a relationship for some time, how do you keep the bond strong and life together interesting once you are out of the honeymoon stage? That's what does the foundation for a long-lasting relationship look like? Great question. Yeah. Why great don't you, question. Why don't you give, what do you think so, are... For me, one of the first things is always like, Yeah, God and all of those things. Yes, those are important. That's a given. But is that person my best friend? Am I going to, do I want to share my hard times with that person? Like, that's what, that's what I want in a relationship. Is that person my best friend? But the key to a successful relationship, I feel like, the key to outside of the honeymoon stage, for me, is communication. We have to learn to communicate because after the goo-goo eyes are gone and the crap hits the fan, how are we talking about these things? What is going on? I know for, for me, there's been times when TJ is, has hurt me 
Then when he's done things that have hurt my feelings, that have made me feel a way that I don't want to feel, and what I do in those moments is I don't go in guns blazing going, TJ, I can't believe you did this to me. I can't believe you say that. All of those different things. I go in and say, hey, TJ, I know you probably didn't mean it this way, but when you said this, this is how it made me feel. See, it breaks down every barrier right there because I'm not going in accusing him of making me feel a certain way. I'm saying, I know you probably didn't mean this. So that he has time to explain. Because most of the time he can say, Shayla, I totally did not, make you feel, did not mean to make you feel that way. I am so sorry. I didn't even realize that I was doing that in that moment. And I think a lot of us in our relationships walk into so many conversations with our defenses up and our guns out going, I can't believe you would do this to me. And we have to take time to learn to communicate healthy with one another. Because if you can't have an open line of communication, then there's constantly going to be this question or these feelings that are hidden inside that are destructive to our relationships. And so I would say for me, the key has been to learn how to communicate effectively with one another. No matter if it's a romantic relationship, a marriage relationship, or relationships in general, communication is key. Yeah. And in that, I would say, you know, one of the things that we've tried to do is we don't try to win arguments. We decided ahead of time that we're going to try to win the other person's heart. And there's a big deal between trying to win an argument and trying to win somebody's heart. I mean, think about it. When you're, when you're fighting against somebody else, or we like to call loud discussions mm-hmm. um, in our home, it's always asking myself, am I trying to win my point or am I trying to win her? And if I'll keep that m- mindset, then I won't, I won't attack in that moment, which I think is a really, really important yeah. thing. Because when we start accusing the other person, you know who else accuses? Satan. He's the accuser of the brethren. We start taking on that mentality. And that's when that sin starts to creep into our lives and we start to do things that we shouldn't really do. You know, and and throughout the series as we've been learning about, like, what do healthy relationships look like? I think it really comes down to a couple of things. I think to have healthy relationships, number one, we got to be committed to just working really hard. Because every healthy relationship I have from friendships to a romantic relationship to some of my deepest personal relationships, they take a lot of work. It takes a lot of communication. It takes a lot of sacrifice. It takes a lot of effort in order to have a healthy relationship. And if you're going to have healthy romantic relationships, if you're going to have healthy friendships, it's going to require some work on your part. And you've got to be committed to working on those aspects. And another area that we just have got to be committed on is this idea of mutual submission, that it's not just about my wants, my needs, my dreams, all of, all of my stuff. But it has to go back to what are their wants, what are their needs, and what, what are the things that they need in their life? And not only do what are those things, but how can I meet those things? 
And if we're constantly doing that and we're looking for those avenues, what it's going to create in our relationship is it's going to build up what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, this, this account within us that, man, this person really cares about us, this re- person really loves us because they're constantly investing in my life. But more than all of that is, is what we talked about last week. And I think is that we have got to take love and we can't just be words that we say, but love has got to be a verb in our life. It's got to be actionable. It's got to be something that is shown, not just said. And so many times where the intimacy dies is, is, is we go, well, you know what? I told you I loved you when we got married and you should know that I love you. Well, that's great. But like, how have you shown that? And so how are we constantly making love a verb? And and I think Jesus gives us the perfect example. The Son of Man did not come to this earth to be served, which is what we think we're going to get out of most relationships. I'm getting somebody to serve me. But to serve others by giving his life as a ransom for many. See, the greatest way we could create healthy relationships is we can die to ourselves, so we can bring life to another. And if we'll die to some of our wants and some of our needs and we'll say, you know what, I'm going to bring life to the other person's wants and needs, you know what's going to happen? It's just going to reciprocate back. And I believe that God wants us to have healthy relationships, healthy friendships. But more than that, I think he wants us to have healthy homes and healthy marriages. And it's something that as your pastors, we're committed to helping build because we know that a strong home is a game changer, not only for you, but for your children and their relationships because they're going to see what a good relationship looks like by watching you. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for today. We thank you that, God, you are this incredible God that is all about relationships that from the very beginning you were about relationship with us, that that from day one you wanted to be known and to be known intimately by each and every one of us. And that's been your desire all along is for us to know you. And then, then you've given us this model that we could know and be known by one another. And maybe there's some people in here today that they have never experience knowing you. You're, you're sitting here, you're listening, and you're going, man, you know, I, I'm dealing with some of those things, but the way you're talking about relationships and dying to yourself, and like, I've never experienced that kind of love. I've never experienced like an, an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person, and, and that's because you've yet to experience what unconditional is, and the only relationship that's ever been unconditional is this relationship of Jesus that he came to this earth, died across for all of our sins, like no strings attached. He said, man, I'll take it all in hopes that we would put our trust and our hope in him. That his love was so great, so big, so deep, so wide that he would give it all just so that we could know God. And maybe today the struggle in your relationship is is that you're trying to do this all on your own and you've never experienced unconditional. Maybe today is the day you need to experience unconditional love that only comes from knowing Jesus and you're going to have a chance to do that. Maybe for others of you, it's the fact that, man, I'm just struggling right now. There's just some things going on that 
have been difficult. There's some tension in the relationships. And today I, I need to I need to recognize that I need to, uh, you know, love unconditionally. I mean, need to make love a verb in my relationship, or I need to have some mutual submission in my relationship, or I need to work a little bit harder. I've been relaxing too much. No matter where you are, I know that God wants to meet you here today. And so, God, we just come before you. And I just pray that your Holy Spirit would move inside of our hearts and our lives here today. That you would speak to each and every one of us, no matter what our situation is, no matter what our circumstances are, no matter where, what we're going through in our relationships. And that you would help us to put our trust, to put our hope, to put our effort first and foremost in a relationship with you, that we would experience unconditional. But then that we would take that unconditional love that we've experienced and we'd give it to somebody who we knows their love is going to be conditional. And we would sacrifice and we would work and we would submit so that we could have healthy relationships. God, I pray that you would do a work inside of all of us that we could grow in this area. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.